Blog Talk Radio. Well, Mike Ditka's in the building, but we're going to have to take over unless he gets here very quickly. Yeah, I know. Believe me, folks, we booed too. Okay, you ready? Here he comes. Hold on. Hold on. This is a dramatic pause. And as we speak, Mike Ditka has made it. And boy, am I happy. As happy as all of you. Mr. Ditka, please. A one and a two and a three. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Bobby comes to the drive church. I don't care if I ever get back. I will throw up for the whole thing. They don't really pretend. One, two, three, catch your out of the old ball. Get it! Let's try this now. Can you hear me? Hey, there you are. I hear you now. Now you hear me. Yes, I was like the wonderful I was about ready to do the show on my own, but then I thought that would be rude. (laughs) Oh, the wonderful gremlins that are with radio. Gotta love it. We've come prepared. (laughs) Um... Oh, Lordy. Welcome to this Friday night. Yeah, you know, it, 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 you know, things it's it's live radio. No one knows, but uh yes, the wonderful folks at Blog Talk Radio, they they love me. Somebody there is some money back for <laughs> tonight. Um That's what you get for owing people money. I, I know, right? Um right? Now, now they owe me money. Uh, but yes, yeah, so like I was saying, uh, we do have quite a bit to cover tonight. Um, we'll get it all in. Actually, I don't even think we had more of probably like 45 minutes, but that just actually bought us a little time. 
<laughs> and across, it seems, where everybody is at tonight, it's actually getting a little bit warmer out this weekend, so you definitely want to be careful with that. Um, I know here in the Midwest and in some parts of the South, you to be a little heated this weekend, so please, folks, hydrate. Um, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Yes. I know, too, one of the other things that is uh, going on was the fact that uh, – Today I kind of went out to the store. Now, one thing I think I've noticed is there have been some people now I think are getting a, a tad lax with mask. <laughs> um, one gentleman, and I was kind of surprised, he entered into the store, and he had his mask down as he was ta- having a phone conversation, and they kind of had to remind him to put it on. Other person in the store said it was hot. They couldn't breathe. I was like, well, you definitely don't want to be out in this uh, shopping. But the other thing that I noticed at the stores, and I'm not sure if it's happening where you're at, because of the coin shortage, a lot of stores now have been asking people to either pay exact change or if they use their debit or credit card. Uh side of the times, and I think even then, you know, normally you can hear like a bunch of change as the person in the store is kind of like going through the, you know, the cash register, but I, uh, today it seemed like they were a little short on change. I felt kind of bad because I did forget to bring my change. Um, but yeah, with this change shortage, it's pretty serious now. A lot of stores are either putting it on a card or they are asking you to donate that extra change to maybe some program that hungry. Have you started noticing that some of the stores out that way? Uh, not out here, but you have to remember, we're a, we're a gambling society, so we, uh, we have a bunch of change anyway. Um, I have seen the signs go up that places prefer that you pay with the card. Um, that way they don't have to touch any of your money and there's no transfer and all that other stuff. Um, but the first thing I think is money is dirty to begin with, so it's not any more or less transfer of growth. That growth right. has always been there. But, yeah, right now, not so much, but I know that people are starting to talk about it, so it's not a surprise. Wow. So, yeah, it is some uh, things kind of going on. I'm pretty sure you folks will start to notice it here within the next few weeks. A lot of stores now kind of going to uh, pretty much a cashless society in a way. I mean, you can still use it. But just don't anticipate that a lot of stores are going to be, like, happy to see you using it. I mean, because we all just, let's admit it, we've come to a society now. You know what the sad thing is? Is that I only see, I don't even see $5 bills that much. It's kind of like a lost art. I don't see a lot of $5. I see tens. I'll see ones. A lot of 20s because that's what the standard issue rate of ATMs are. And I kind of miss the days, too where ATMs kind of gave out, like, different denominations. And if you were that struggling college student and you had 15 bucks left in your account, go and pull out at least 10. <laughs> See, that's the funny thing. Out here, we still have those ATMs that have, and you can actually choose the denomination of bills that comes out. It'll tell you these are the denominations that we're, norm- that we're going to give you. If you want to change that, like, touch this button. So we still have those. I wish that would be, like, universal because, you know, a lot of places don't, you know, if you get an ATM to spew out, you know, 
forty bucks, of course, is going to be in two twenties, and sometimes that might be too big of a bill for where you might be going. Because if you're only spending like a couple of bucks, I mean, you give that twenty, don't be shocked if you get back eighteen ones and look like you're headed toward a strip club. So right, and what if you? Yeah, if you're if you're trying to put like twenty five in a birthday card, for example, and you want you have to get change. Now you have to right. go to a gas station and buy a, a pack of gum so that you can break a twenty. That's awful. Yes. Times have changed. Um, Definitely have changed. But uh, one of the big stories that's been going on this week, uh, we're going to lightly dip into this one, but uh, the big thing that everyone has been talking about, no matter where you live, and I've seen it all over the news, and now it's gotten to a point because, yes, we are headed into uh, the next few weeks, the month of of August. And with that... (laughs) Already, we're talking about students who are going back to school. And there was an interesting article from uh-huh. Newsweek uh, where Texas Governor Greg Abbott unveiled a plan in June to reopen his state schools. And some teachers have said that holding in person classes while the coronavirus uh, is still posing a threat would place them in. Under his plan, schools in Texas would be required to provide person instruction five days a week starting in August. Although parents and guardians may opt to have their children engage in long distance learning, Teachers must report to work in person. Uh, one of the executive directors of the United Educators Association, in a letter to the governor, said that his mandate to reinstate in-person education makes it impossible to maintain social distancing protocols. And he said that people also have expressed the concern that school employees would get greater risk for contracting the coronavirus. And he said uh, that you know, with their teacher staff and their family members, uh, it would place them at a severe risk. While parents are given options to send their children to school or stay home for virtual instruction, teachers and staff don't have that option, and that they thought it was pretty atrocious that in preparation for returning to school this fall, teachers are writing wills, giving uh, medical power of attorney established and taking out extra life insurance. Um, it's That's pretty sad when uh, we've gotten to that point. And on Monday, the Houston Federation of Teachers called the plan for requiring Texas schools unacceptably vague and hardly adequate. Uh, We've seen some big cities start to talk about it, come out with different plans. I know that here in Chicago just today, uh, the mayor has a proposal on the table in which kindergartners, I think it's kindergartners through uh, preschool through kindergarten, would be going to school. Uh, middle schoolers, it would be kind of a hybrid system. 11th and 12th graders, I believe, uh, would be at home doing virtual learning. And other specialty schools, it would be kind of as it sees fit. There really is, and I think when I look at it, there really is no perfect plan yet because we're dealing with an unknown. And I watched uh, – news report on a private school that's already started and i think it was in new jersey or something like that where uh it was they had the children uh the parents had to drop them off in the morning they could not come in with them so they had to drop them off like so many feet away kids going to the school kids are kind of like spaced apart a little bit and then at that point the kids had to wash their hands upon entering uh and then I think throughout the day that they, uh, at one point they tested them or the temperature uh, when they went outside to play or before lunch and even after uh, playtime, they had to wash their hands. 
Uh, and then when the parents picked them up, they couldn't, like, be there. They had to kind of, like, be far away, and they had to come and pick them up. And, you know, it, it was really, like, just uh, – it took months to implement this, they said, but it was really just, like, strict rules. And that's not going to work for everywhere, and we, you know, being honest here. But looking at this to the fact that where somebody is literally writing a will and getting power of attorney, I mean, do you think at this point that there's going to be, like, some type of, uh, I don't know, like some type of system that's going to be fair or that's going to work? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, as much as I would love to be able to say, yeah, we can come up with something that would work, not every system is going to work for every child um, or parent or situation, um, unfortunately. And then on top of that, like I, I, this is going to be, sound very morbid, but everybody should have a will and everybody should have a power of attorney and everybody should know who their medical person is going to be that's going to talk on their behalf because you never know what's going to happen. So you should right. have all those things in place anyway. So that part, I mean, it, it's very crass of me, I'm sure, but that part's not such a surprise. Um, I'm not liking that the teachers have to be in um, five days a week if the students are in all five days a week. Um, right. I know of a school that is their plan is to have the student, each family needs to opt into a grouping, and that grouping is going to be either full virtual, which means you go to school, uh, virtually, so you stay home, but you're checking into your classes virtually all five days a week. Mm. That's for one thing. Uh, and then there's um, virtual uh, and in-person classes, and you're either in flight A or flight B. And flight A, you come in to do your classes uh, in-person Monday and Tuesday, and your virtual Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you are in flight B, then you are doing virtual Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Friday, you're doing in class. Wednesday in the school, every student is out of the school. They're supposed to be virtually learning, and every teacher is out of the school. They're supposed to be virtually teaching, and the school is being fully disinfected on Wednesday from top to bottom. That. That's is a better yeah. plan because that's cutting their student body basically in half to begin right. with. But then on top of that, they're giving you the option of, if you don't feel comfortable, keep your students at home. And even beyond that, if your student's supposed to be in class learning and they're not feeling well, they could stay home and do it virtually. They don't have to come in and it won't count against them on their attendance. So that's a, again, that's a, better plan. I don't know if that's the best plan. That's not the greatest plan. That may not work for everyone. I know when I was in school, I needed the structure. If I didn't have somebody, like if I didn't have a class to go to and a time to be there and a time to do homework, I procrastinated and I waited and I found other things to keep me entertained other than schoolwork. So, and I know there's other students out there like that. This has got to be, I mean, it's Everybody's got to work together to get to work because we can't, it's not that we can't do full virtual. I think we could. We could do full virtual with all students everywhere. But I don't know that everybody's making it work the way that it needs to be able to work. Yeah. And they're trying to cover up 
for cover for those students that need to have that classroom structural setting. Right. And, you know, that was one of the things that I I had a conversation with somebody the other day. I said, you know, it would would work in some aspects, well, half and half, of where we could trust that students would do the online virtual learning. But students, if you left it up to them to do it, (laughs) probably would not. Uh, And there was, and the scary part is that for a lot of schools, there was no way to track students who would show up to class. Um, You know, if you had a more stricter way and you could do it, and it probably held the students accountable, and if, you know, Susie wasn't there from 9 to 3 on this site and they couldn't see her or she didn't type back or something, at some point you can hold them accountable. But the fact that, you know, this virtual learning, uh, which is new for everyone, and plus, too, I get it. Young, youngsters, you know, even though they probably don't want to admit it, you know, it's not just the structure part of it, but they are used to learning in a group setting with people, other people. You know, unless you're just a loner and, you, you know, you're thriving in this situation. But a lot of students, I get it, this past year, you know, this was a new experience in which, you know, for the first time really in their life, they really were apart from people, you know, and they didn't really have a chance to connect with their friends. Even though we have, you know, FaceTime and other stuff, not the same as hanging out with your friends. You know, I remember growing up at school, uh, once summer came, even though we all lived in the neighborhood, you really didn't see too many people over the summer until the fall, so it felt like you were kind of like spaced apart. <laughs> But I saw a couple of people here right. and there. But kids are so used to hanging out nowadays and being together and doing things, and it's like that uh, togetherness and you know that makes hand in hand with the learning situation a little better. But yeah, I mean this is a different time, and I don't know what's going to happen. And heaven forbid if there is a second coming of this in the winter, as some people have stated. But if that's the case, everybody's going to be back at home. And it is almost going to be for another year in which students find themselves now, you know, especially that would be harder, I would think, if you're going to be a junior and then a senior because for two years you pretty much have been shut out of a lot of things in your high school. Uh, it was hard enough for seniors, I'm sure, this year because, you know, they lost the prom and they lost their graduation. But, you know, for a junior, this is now like back-to-back and don't want to see it happen again. But uh, this is uh, definitely a uh, learning curve for everybody. I don't think there is a perfect And on the area, too. You know, things that happen in Nevada are going to be different for things that happen for schools in Chicago that will be different for things that happen in Wyoming, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's just it. It's, it's, it's going to be different. It's going to be different for everybody student, every family, every school within the school district, every school district, every county, state across this nation. Only because it's going to be, you have to take into account what's actually going on. Like, if you're in an area like New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, where there's higher numbers and there's higher risks, you're going to have to take higher precautions. 
Whereas if you're in places like Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, places that you don't hear about a lot of cases, I'm not saying they don't have any, but you're not hearing the numbers of cases that you're hearing coming out of Texas and Florida out of those locations, they're going to have a different view. They don't have to look at the risk as closely or as, as stringently, I guess. They're not going to have to look at the protocols and be like, okay, we're socially distancing. We only have 15 students per classroom, so we're good there. It's not like I have 45 students in my classroom on a daily basis and I need to figure out how to teach 45 kids both virtually and in person and doing it the right way and making sure all my students are teaching. There's a lot of other things that are going on, so it's going to be different. It's going to be different across the board, absolutely. And I feel sorry. I feel so bad. Everybody's all freaking out. They're like, hey, you know, it's like I would teach the data 200% raise in March when we got all of our kids sent home. I saw that flooding Facebook. I don't know if you did, but I did. And parents everywhere, I can't believe they did. Like, this is what they do with my kid. My kid's awful, and I only have one, and they have 30, and they have them all day, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those things, right? Greater appreciation for teachers. All of that stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. And now you're sticking them right in harm's way. Mm -hmm. Because you want your kids to be in school, which, again, some kids need that. Some kids need the socialization. Some kids need to be able to... Um, see other people, some kids do well in a group setting, some people need the structure. Those kids, you're sending them to school, so you're putting your teachers in harm's way, and you are like, you have to do it with the budget shortfall that everybody is going through right now. Some harder than others, but definitely everyone's going through. And it's going to be tough. So I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that everybody keeps the appreciation for the teachers alive, because they are being asked to do the impossible at this point. Well, I think last week here we had talked about uh, going from school to professional uh, sports of the WNBA. Uh, I think we talked about last week uh, or leaving or not opting to play into your season. And I know, as a Chicagoan, uh, Elena Deladon, who now plays with the Washington Mystics, uh, this one kind of, uh, I don't know how to really feel about this one, because I, I feel bad for her, and at the same time, it's kind of like, but she said on Monday that the WNBA denied her request to opt out of the 2020 WNBA season. The decision is at odds with the advice received from her own personal physician. ESPN's John Barr and Sarah Spain, Monday's decision came from a panel of medical directors appointed jointly by the WNBA and the Players Association. Uh, Deladon told ESPN a statement that the independent panel of doctors, the league appointed to review those high-risk cases, have advised that I'm not high-risk and should be permitted to play in the bubble. He says, I love my team, and we have an unbelievable season last year, and I want to play, but the question is whether or not the WNBA bubble is safe for her. Her personal physician, who has treated her for Lyme disease for years, advised her that she's at a high risk for contracting and having complications from COVID-19. Uh, she's the reigning w, uh, WNBA MVP. And she has not joined her team at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, as of Monday night. WNBA is currently slated to begin on July 25th, and she is still able to opt out of the season, even if her request is not handed by the WNBA team of 
though if she opts to sit out without being deemed high risk, she will not receive full salary. So, that being said, is it wrong for the WNBA to pretty much undoctor and a medical history, which is well known, uh, her history of having is well known when it back story. Uh, she's battled through this. She actually lost a portion of her season when she was here in Chicago because of feelings with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of a slam dunk. Brand. It would be different if someone just said, hey, I just don't want to play because I don't feel it's safe. But for someone who is a high risk, WNBA wrong for saying, hey, still got to play. Our doctors think different. Don't, you're going to lose a portion of your salary. Yes, absolutely. Um, they have to draw a line, and I get that. Um, you can't go by anybody's doctor just because. Um, however, she's got medical documentation. The doctors there can confirm her, her situation, and there should be her. She should be allowed at this point. Um, it's not like mask me, I guess is what it's called now, that where you get like your face breaks out because you're wearing a mask. It's not mm-hmm. like that. Okay, well, it's not like, oh my God, I'm not going to be pretty, and it, it's like it's not, it's not. I'm claustrophobic, and I understand claustrophobia, but you're going to be playing basketball, so you can't be claustrophobic. Like, there are certain things that should fall into the that you can opt out, and she's definitely got one of those. And I feel awful that the NBA doctors are not taking another fellow doctor's opinion to account. That's the the part that I'm not understanding. Like, it's not like she's going out there and saying, I have this, and then finding somebody to give her a note. She's got backup documentation, years of dealing with it, not like she just got it last month. She's been dealing with this since she was at a different team. You see where I'm going? It's like, mm-hmm. come on, at this point. She ain't faking it. She should be able to opt out and get her salary, as other team members probably are able to do. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, hopefully they'll come to a, you know, uh, split decision here. I mean, because, uh, like I said, her story is well known, so it's not like she's lying about it. Um, and she has suffered from some effects of it for years. So uh, it's going to be an interesting story to watch, especially for athletes who have something in which a league pretty much is saying, eh, well, not so fast. <laughs> uh, this story, I don't – well, before we go into it, uh, just to let you guys know, uh, you're listening to Page One. I'm Lavar. That's Mary. Uh, we're here uh, on Friday nights at this normal time. Glad you could join us. And I, I'm going to get to this story in a second. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to take a uh, change of course here because I want to get to this story last because it, it 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 pretty much ticked me off even when I heard it. But it's 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 typical of the American system. But anyway, I'm going to take a quick look really quickly tonight with trending Twitter topics. There really wasn't uh, too much. Um, but, uh, oh, um, kind of taking a look here, and uh, 
I do believe, and if you could bear with me for a second, um, it looks like we have a little bit of breaking news here. Um, and it, I'm trying to get confirmation on this as I'm kind of going through uh, the breaking news, but it does look like, according to some sources here, uh, that a top House Democratic source uh, has confirmed that Congressman John Lewis did pass away this evening at the age of 80 after uh, battling stage four pancreatic cancer. So that definitely is, uh, if you can bear with me for a second here, you uh, confirm this. And it is uh, kind of trending here um, on Twitter. So the other day I do know that there was uh, a false story that had gone out that it had occurred. Um, Unfortunately, this does look like now that that has happened. So definitely a huge uh, icon in the civil rights movement um and unfortunately that is the news that has occurred tonight so that is actually trending um with that um the only other thing is pretty much even trending and i won't even go with that one pretty much after that that's all that pretty much needed to be trending so unfortunately that sad news coming tonight um and i'm kind of trying to pull up some more here as we're going on and hopefully we'll have some more before the end of the show but uh that story coming across and i know that wouldn't probably be trending the way that it did uh it did unfortunately for a few moments and and this is so sad this is the thing about news uh that i think that kind of upsets me is that everybody's always looking to be the first and i know people are like well you're just a blogger i will tell you my degree is in journalism and some of the things that I have learned is that if you are going to go with a story, and it's just a simple rule, you know, is that you want to make sure that the story is at least in your heart or mind of mind is correct and you've done your research and your homework. And the other day, uh, the story was trending, and it, it, it trended earlier because someone felt that based off of some things that they had heard or misheard, that they felt the need to pretty much report it. And uh, they stuck with the story, and people pretty much let that person have it, uh, rightfully so. You know, the thing is, is that I didn't even see a retraction. I didn't even see, you know, we were wrong and we apologize. It's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last time, sadly, it's happened. You know, I remember when Michael Jackson passed away. Man, how long has it been now? This has almost been like 11 years ago that a lot of news operations were trying to be the first to report his passing. Uh, And I know that TMZ uh, gets a lot of things. It's just like on the day that Kobe Bryant passed away. Uh, ABC News, and I I remember watching it, uh, one of the reporters who later was suspended had reported that Kobe and his entire family was on the flight, or it was something to the point of, like, his entire family or all of his daughters, which was not true. And a case to try and get the rush to a story and getting it out there, uh, and then the whole thing with Rick Fox for a while, people thought Rick Fox was on that flight. And it was wrong. And I was like, we can't get our story straight? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it amazes me every time. And 
Um, I don't get it, but um, but yeah, unfortunately, as I'm kind of going through most of this, I don't see any of the major networks yet uh, picking up the story, and I do see a couple of um, reports kind of leaking out now. But um, back to the program, and I'm not even after that. Uh, I won't even get into the rest of Twitter. I mean, that pretty much is the main part of Twitter tonight. Um, but I'll get to the other story. And it was actually one that I don't know. I guess it speaks volumes about the way that society is kind of now. Uh, if you remember the story of a California woman who took the social media to criticize a Starbucks barista for refusing to serve her because she didn't have on a mask, that barista wound up getting $100,000 in donations. Uh, now that customer uh, wants half of that money, and she's threatening to sue to get it. Amber Giles says she posted a photo of barista Lenin Gutierrez after she asked her to wear a mask at Starbucks. The caption read, Meet Lenin from Starbucks who refused to serve me because I'm not wearing a mask. Next time I'll wait for cops and bring a medical exemption. That post exploded online, and a GoFundMe to raise tip money for Gutierrez surpassed $100,000. Now, Giles claims that she has medical problems preventing her from wearing a mask and that she was discriminated against. She also said she thinks masks are not effective. She said, in quote, I get shortness of breath, dizziness, and it messes with the heartbeat. And I do have asthma as well, and I do get mask knee, or kind of like acne. So there's several things going on, and not only that, but it doesn't even work. She shared two pieces of paperwork to show what she calls a medical exemption, and a 2015 doctor's report she shared shows analysis of her uh, uterus and an ovarian cyst and a handwritten note with a San Diego chiropractor's letterhead that she asked not to be shown on camera that says that she has underlying health conditions that prevent her from wearing a mask. She says her post about the experience is a First Amendment right. Uh, she said it was a discrimination, everybody is okay with it, and enabling and awarding that kind of behavior. She wants half of the money donated, which was given to Gutierrez in cash last week, and is threatening to sue. She said the lawyers she's spoken to about taking her case are expensive, and she can't afford one yet, so she started her own GoFundMe to raise legal fees. When asked if she has any apology or message to the public, Giles responded, no, absolutely not. I feel like I need the apology. I've been discriminated against. I'm the one who's sick. Starbucks now requires customers to wear facial coverings or masks in all 9,000 of its company-owned American stores. And pretty much at this point, I guess the question here, and I know what your answer is going to be, uh, I know what my <laughs> answer is going to be, is that does this person have any uh, what's the word I want to use here? Any skin in the game towards getting part of that GoFundMe money? God, I hope not. Like, I mean, oh, okay. I don't think she does. I think she's an idiot. I think she's stupid. I also think, on top of all of that, like, I think she's stupid not for not wearing a mask. I think she's stupid for thinking that she can get half the money that's raised specifically for that person. She posted it. They said this is to be put get a tip, you know, get tip money together for this person for, for making her wear the mask and not serving her and standing up for what the company has put out there that they need to do, it's her money. It's the, the, the barista's money. This woman 
had alternatives, has alternatives. And this is the one thing that I'm going to say from where, like, this is coming from my experience in my world and, and, and what I do on a daily basis, which I'm not going to share here just because whatever. But I work in the public sector and deal with this every day. And I mean every day. All day, every day. If it's a mandate, if it's a store policy, if it's a company policy, if it's a whatever, whatever the case may be, where they say you have to wear a mask to come into my establishment and you throw a hissy because you don't want to, they have every it is no shirt, no shoes, no business. It's the same principle. If they say to you, you have to have a shirt and shoes on to be able to come into my establishment or I'm going to turn you away, then you better have a shirt and shoes on or they turn you away. And no matter what happens when they say that, they refuse the right, they have every right to refuse service to you as a business. Starbucks has made it perfectly clear you have to wear a mask to go into their locations. Starbucks also has online ordering, delivery, drive through use an alternative. It's flipping Starbucks, lady. Like, come on. It is not going to kill you to go through the drive through uh, Sorry, I will get down off my soapbox. No, you know, I am in agreement with you because the thing is, is that we've now come to this type of society where, you know, and I think she even alluded to uh, in her post that she did not have money for an attorney, but yet here you are. uh, (laughs) Demanding money from somebody else. Yeah, demanding money from somebody else that you can pretty much try to, uh, you know, I guess either try to hurt that person even more so because you saw that they were being rewarded for standing up for their uh, principles and rights, you know, especially when it came to their job. And now here you are wanting to – you know, pretty much be like, oh, they're giving her $100,000. So and on top of it, this is the thing that kills me. She started her own GoFundMe. So you not only have your own GoFundMe going, but you want her money too. So, <laughs> and I don't understand of uh, trying to shell out or shell out <laughs> all of this paperwork to prove an even bigger point. Okay, you were, and it wasn't even the reason. Here's the thing that also is getting to me. It wasn't even the barista who went on social media to out this lady. This could have been a situation that just happened between the both of them, and it could have been done. If anything, you helped get the barista her money. So I don't think in Mm -hmm. any way whatsoever she owes you anything. And on top of it, if you do take this to court, I'm almost hoping that the jury turns around and says, hey, for wasting our time, you're going to pay her court fees as well. Right? This is the most ridiculous thing, because think about it. She's the one that put it out in social media. And people who were like, wow, right, you were really Lisa wrong towards the police. Started the go- she didn't start the GoFundMe. No, no, she didn't start the GoFundMe. Well, I mean, she now has started one so that she can get legal Well, fees. no, I'm saying the barista did not start the GoFundMe. No, the barista didn't start money. it. Yeah, she did. But I meant like it was due to this lady trying to make this barista look mm-hmm. bad that people started this GoFundMe. So I was like... In a technical sense, you helped get that barista her money. So, you know, that was you. 
I don't think she owes you anything. And if you had just kept it quiet, exactly. it wouldn't have been no one hundred thousand dollars to talk about. So, yeah, yeah, I, because I just, she was right, and that's that entitlement. It was I'm right. right because I have an excuse, and I have, and I, I, you know what? Whatever. She has a medical excuse, and she she doesn't think it works, and she doesn't want to wear a mask. Good, grand, wonderful. I'm not saying wear one. I'm not saying don't wear one. I'm saying there are alternatives to being able to get whatever product, service, or what have you without having to break the mandates that are issued by the federal, state, local governments, or by the businesses themselves. There are so many businesses out there. There are people that are running small businesses. That's them. It's them and that's it. Or it's them and their family. Or it's them and a handful of employees. And they're doing the best they can to stay open and offer all those services to you by following all the federal, state, and local rules and still keeping themselves safe and still offering you, you know, still offering you a product or a service and still and all of these things. And when people are being nasty, and I mean nasty, I've witnessed people throwing flushies, full open flushies at, at, thank God they still have the plexiglass up, but the plexiglass at convenience stores. At the convenience clerks for saying, hey, you need to put on a face covering. Nasty out there. It just, that boggles my mind. When did we become so mean? When did we become so heartless to a fellow human being over yeah. something so silly as a, a face covering? You don't want to wear it? Fine. Don't wear it. Be socially distant and don't come in here or use an alternative. There's curbside. There's drive throughs There's online ordering. Don't tell me there isn't because I see Amazon packages flying through my neighborhood on a daily basis. So don't right. sit there and tell me you don't know how to do it. Just don't be nasty to people. I just don't understand it. And then this lady, of course, she thinks that she's right, and now she deserves something. And I'm sorry. No, you don't. You don't deserve anything. You, you, if, she started, if she started a GoFundMe, and if people want to donate to that GoFundMe, that's their right. They can do it. Good on you. If you use that GoFundMe for legal fees, congratulations. If a lawyer, I don't see any lawyer that would take this up in court, but if a lawyer says, sure, I'll take, your, I'll take my retainer and try this, does that, fine. But this is so ridiculous. When it was, okay, you, you have a medical condition, you can't wear a mask, you can't be inside my store, go through the drive-thru. All she had to do was get in her car and go through the drive-thru. All she had to do. All she had to do was say, you know what, F you, and walk out of the door. Wow. Yeah. I, I, you just, know, I was I, gonna I'm ask, boggled on this one. You brought up a good point because I was going to ask you that question. Does it seem – because it seems like people nowadays are just really nasty about something. And, and do you think – and I don't want to, like, go into, like, a maudlin uh, – portion of this program, but do you think that the last few months has made it worse, or has it been there and just festering, and now the things that have been happening, you know, are causing it to be that way? I think it's always, I think there's always been some kind of nasty under the surface. I, I, I really do. If you go out there into the world, and I mean into the world meaning outside of the good old U.S. of A., and I'm as much of a patriot as anybody else out there. I love my country. 
But if you go outside the country, we're those stupid Americans, those nasty Americans, those entitled Americans, those loud Americans. Other people, other countries think that about us. And I think it was always under the surface against, like, we all kind of had that, and I'm including myself, a little bit of nastiness under the surface towards the fellow human being. That guy that cut me off, I got a little bit of road rage. I'm yelling in my car, way to go, hero. How's it going, Utah? Whatever the case may be, you know, I swear at the car that didn't use their turn signal. Hey, turn turn signals exist on all the cars nowadays. I think there's always a little bit of level of nastiness in every single person, at least in the U.S. And I think it was always just under the surface. And now you've closed down everything. You've isolated people. You've made them start to get stir-crazy, for lack of a better term. And then you're putting restrictions on what they think they shouldn't be restricted on because we've never been restricted before. It's like taking a spoiled brat, and this is a horrible analogy, but on point, you're taking a spoiled brat that got everything they wanted anytime they wanted, and then you said, no, you can't have it. You're grounded. You're in your room. You put them in their room, and then when you let them out of the room, you said, you still can't have this, and they're throwing a tantrum. That is what the U.S. is doing right now if I had to put it in terms. And I, I'm i including myself in that. There's been plenty of times when I've gotten very upset about things, but I have to as an individual and as a role model for the people that are around me and as an example to the rest of the United States, and I know that the rest of the United States is not looking at me, but it's, to be that person, I need to stop and check my attitude at the door. I'm not saying don't have your rights and your freedoms, and if that's something you believe in, then by all means, do so. But there's a way of doing it without being an asshole. Excuse my language. There's a way of doing it without being a butthead. Yeah, there's definitely a way to do it. And um, with your permission tonight, my friend, due to the breaking news, I'm going to suspend the rest of the stories that we kind of had, and I'm going to ask you at this time if you had any uh, any shout-outs, any closing thoughts this week. Um, on the good side, shout-out to uh, the mermaids who are currently taking over my house, and uh, my kid, who's got a birthday coming up, had a birthday. Yeah. So, yay! That's on the happy side. Do that, on the happy sad day. side. <laughs> birthday weekend, celebrate. <laughs> yeah, I know. Teenagers, right? Um, on the sad side, my condolences and my heartfelt sadness for the loss. Um, it's awful, and I hope that they have the closure that they need, and cancer sucks. I mean, I shaved off my hair for cancer, so it, it, it needs to be I feel bad. My heart goes out to the family. And just in closing tonight, um, you know, when things like this happen, you really don't have the words. And I've been seeing some things coming across here online, and uh, you'll see a lot of things here over the next few days. And um, Representative Lewis served about 17 terms in Congress, um, a lifetime in the struggle for civil rights and equality. I know he once said that he had, he was a longtime advocate of making good trouble. <laughs> um, great quote 
that was quoted here uh, just a few minutes ago um, in which he once said, if you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation to do something about it. You know, in times like this, uh, I would hope that the one legacy that a person of John Lewis's uh, stature is that you would hope that that type of uh, that saying itself lives on in the younger generation. And I am sure enough that, you know, it is and it probably will. And I hope that all of you over the next few days get a chance to read more about this great man and what he has done for civil rights in this country and, you know, Bloody Sunday and what he went through and nearly being beaten to death uh, walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge uh, in Alabama uh, just so that everyone would have the right to live their life the way that it should be lived. And I think at that moment, uh, something like this, uh, in the current state of everything that's going on in this country, hopefully we'll all stop, breathe, uh, take a look at what this man has done, and how he's lived his life, and hopefully all of us uh, will do just the same. Uh, for my friend Mary, who I will see next week in uh, Nevada, <laughs> uh, I am LeVar, saying good night, thank you, and rest in peace, uh, Representative John Lewis.